I want to invite Angel to come up now and give us our scripture reading this morning. Good morning, church. Today we'll be reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he, rest, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Thanks, Angel. Good morning, everyone. Everyone's woken up since we started service. That's wonderful. So last week we met in house churches for Chinese New Year. I hope you guys had a great house church gathering for those of you who joined. Um, prior to that, we started a series looking at the book of Genesis and talking about origins and where we come from and how understanding where we come from and God's plan and design for the universe and for us helps us understand how we're supposed to live as part of it. And today we're continuing this series looking at Genesis. And as we get started, I want to ask you a question. Imagine for a moment that you're hanging out with a friend, maybe having lunch, getting coffee, and your friend tells you every week, For one full day, 24 consecutive hours during that week, I do absolutely nothing productive. Nothing that I have to do for that entire time, and I just take that entire day to rest and enjoy life. One day every week. As you heard your friend telling you this, what would you be thinking and feeling in that moment? Jealous. Yes. Would anyone else be jealous? Would anyone be a little bit judgmental? Like, oh, so lazy. How can, you, how can you take that much time away from work every single week? Jealous. Just jealous. Okay. Is there anyone who would be like, this person clearly does not have children? Would anyone be like, oh yeah, me too. I, I do that too. No? Okay. Well, believe it or not, today's passage that we're going to be looking at shows us that, that God designed all of us to live in a rhythm where we do that. That God designed the world in such a way that you and I work best when we get one full day of rest, 24 hours in a row of rest every single week. And we'll see today, God made us to live in a rhythm of work and rest that he designed. So we'll look at God's rest, practicing Sabbath rest, and the power for Sabbath rest. But first, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for giving us this chance today to, to look at the design you made for the world in terms of work and rest. And I pray that you would shape us and our, our rhythm of work and rest through what we see today so that we can live in a way that fits the rhythm you've designed for us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you can remember all the way back to two weeks ago, last time we were together here, We saw, if you were here, we saw God creating everything over the course of six days. And just in case you weren't here, we talked about how there's debate and discussion over whether these days are literal or metaphorical. We're not really getting into that, but the story of the Bible describes them as days. So that's the terminology we're going to use to refer to them. And now in today's passage, he's reached the end of creation. Everything that's going to be made in the entire universe has been made. The job is done. So what does God do? He rests. But why? Why does God rest? Have you ever thought about that? Like God doesn't need to rest. 
He doesn't get tired. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28, it says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. God doesn't get tired and run out of energy. We do. He doesn't. God, he doesn't, I just got this microphone to come up here. The batteries were low. God's batteries don't get low. He's always at full power. I had to replace the batteries here. God doesn't need any battery replacing. He's always full power, permanently full. He doesn't need to stop and rest. So if he doesn't need to rest because he's tired, if he doesn't actually need a break, why does he rest? It's because he knows us. As our maker, he knows how we work best. He knows our weakness and frailty. Psalm chapter 103, verse 14, it says, he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He knows where we come from because he's the one who formed us from the dust of the ground. He knows we don't have the same stamina and energy reserve that he does. He knows even though he's the creator, he doesn't need anything or anyone else outside of himself. We are creatures. We're dependent on him every moment of every day for our lives. We can't keep going through our own power. And so from the beginning of time, before, even before sin came in and messed everything up and made it so much harder and so much worse, God designed it so that one day per week, every single week, you and I need rest. He wove it into the fabric of the universe. He designed it so one day per week, you and I have a built-in reminder in the rhythm of our lives of the fact that our lives depend on him. He designed to work the world to work on these patterns. And if you follow these patterns, life tends to go well for you. If you don't follow these patterns, it, it doesn't tend to go as well. It's sort of like music. You know, we were clapping along for the songs just now. Songs in music, they follow repeating rhythms. And a lot of songs we sing in church have a four beat rhythm. So it's like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. But other songs will have a three beat rhythm. So it's one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Now, if you have the pianos and the guitar all playing on a four beat rhythm, and then the drummer is playing on a three beat rhythm, that's not going to go well for music, right? It's going to be distracting. It's going to be confusing. Even if you know nothing about music, you'll be sitting out there and you'll be like, something sounds wrong. Something sounds off. And different instrument players are going to lose their place in the song because you're supposed to come in here on the one beat, but we're actually on the four beat. So do I jump ahead a beat? Do I like skip and come in late? Like what's going on? It's confusing when you have different people trying to play at the same time on a different rhythm. And in the same way, when we try and mess with God's designed rhythm for our lives, it creates problems. God designed us to work one, two, three, four, five, six, rest. One, two, three, four, five, six, rest. But when we go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, it's going to make us exhausted. It's going to make us burnt out and tired. When we, when we don't take rest like God designed us to, we're living out of time with the beat God built into the world. He, he hardwired the world in such a way that you and I need rest every seventh day. Sabbath, this day of rest, it's a gift to us. It's not just God giving us permission to rest from our work every seventh day. It's actually God giving us a command to rest from our work every seventh day. 
And notice God on the seventh day, he didn't only rest or cease from his work. We also see in verse three that God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And God blessing that seventh day and making it holy, it means it's not just a day of rest for God, it's a day of rest for you and me too. See, if God had rested on the seventh day, but hadn't done anything to set the seventh day apart from all the other days, you and I could read the story and we could look at it and we could be like, ah, you know, wouldn't it be nice to be able to rest? God gets to, because he's God. Too bad I'm not God. But God, when he rested, he blessed this day. He, he made it holy. It means he set it apart from the other days of the week, not only for himself, but for you and me. So that throughout history, this one day per week can be set apart from all the other days of the week as a day specifically designated for him. By blessing the Sabbath day, by making it holy, he's actually setting this day apart throughout all of time as specifically devoted to him. So Sabbath, it's a day each week to cease our work, to rest. It's a gift from God that he has given us to enjoy the goodness of the world that he made. It's not just a suggestion or a good idea. It's actually woven into the fabric of the universe and the way the world works. And later in the Bible, it becomes a command for God's people to rest from their work one day per week. It's actually one of the 10 commandments right up there with like, don't murder, don't commit adultery. It's take one day every seven and rest from your work for 24 straight hours. But my guess is for many of us, when we hear about this idea of Sabbath, it's something we've never really done. We might not even have any idea where to start if we wanted to try it. So I wanna take some time to talk about some practicalities of Sabbath and just sort of think through some of the questions people might have in terms of like, how do I actually do this in practice, okay? So let's look at practicing Sabbath. And as we start, maybe we'll start with a definition of what is Sabbath as we talk about this. And I get this definition from a pastor in New York named Pete Scazzaro. He says, Biblical Sabbath is a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. Biblical Sabbath is a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. Now, a few things to note about this definition. First, it's a 24-hour block of time. It's not just the morning at church. That's great, but it's actually more than that. It's a full day. But also as a 24-hour block of time, it doesn't have to start at midnight when we typically start our days. Um, actually, throughout history, the Jewish people celebrate Sabbath from sundown one day to sundown the next day, which has some advantages. Like if you have to prepare for stuff early the next morning, you can use the evening to get ready in advance and still have 24 straight hours off. Second, this isn't necessarily in this definition, but more in the Bible passage here. It's on the seventh day. Now in ancient Israel, they had one designated day per week that was the Sabbath day. Everyone had to take that day to rest. But actually the Bible nowhere specifically says this must happen on a Sunday or a Tuesday or a Saturday or whatever day. It just says the seventh day. And when we get to the New Testament, we actually see the apostle Paul saying, it's up to our consciences what day we choose to take as that seventh day. So it's clear that it's supposed to be a repeating practice every seventh day, but it's okay if 
you choose that day for something that fits your schedule based on work and what's happening in your life. I think if possible, there's a lot of wisdom in doing it on Sunday, and I'll explain why in just a minute, but that's not explicitly commanded in the Bible. The third thing to see from this definition is that he lists four key ingredients of Sabbath. These aren't specifically from today's passage, but they're based on his research about Sabbath throughout the Bible. And I think there's a lot of wisdom here. So the first ingredient, stop work. That's literally what the word Sabbath means. It comes from the Hebrew word that means to cease, to stop. You have one day per week where there's absolutely nothing on your to-do list. No work to accomplish, whether it's paid or unpaid. It's not just stopping from what you do Monday to Friday to earn a paycheck. It's stopping from things like errands and chores that also fill up your life. You're not just resting from your work, you're resting from all your work, which is the big difference between a Sabbath and a day off. A day off, you don't have to go to your job or place of employment, but you still have to do stuff all day long to check it off the list. But Sabbath is about a rest from all our work, not just our jobs. The second ingredient here is to enjoy rest. See, obviously, if you're stopping all your work, you all of a sudden have a lot of free time, right? What are you going to do with all that time? And the answer is, this is from Peter Scazzaro. He says, do whatever delights and replenishes you. Whatever delights and replenishes you. So you enjoy reading a book. Grab a book, not one you have to read for work or school, but one that you just want to read because it's fun to read. Do you like to go out in nature? Go for a hike. Do you like spending time with friends? Have a party, invite them all over. Enjoy the fact that you're living in God's world and he's given you the ability to enjoy it. Enjoy rest. Third ingredient, practice delight. And I think, again, Peter Scazzaro just sums up this one beautifully. Sorry, I don't have this on a slide, but he says on Sabbaths, we're called to enjoy and delight in creation and its gifts. We are to slow down, pay attention to our food, smelling and tasting its riches. We're to take time to see the beauty of a tree, a leaf, a flower, the sky that's been created with great care by our God. He's given us the ability to see, hear, taste, smell, and touch that we might feast with our senses on the miraculousness of life. I love that line, feast with our senses on the miraculousness of life. You know, we live in a huge city where there's so many things to do and we have so many places to be and we're constantly going from one place to another and doing everything. And then when we're on the path in transit, we have our phones out so we don't even have time to see everything going on around us. And Sabbath is a day where we're set free from that to-do list and we're given permission by God to literally like stop and smell the roses. Sabbath, it's not meant to be a day of misery, just being serious all the time. Yes but it's meant to be a day of delight. And then the fourth ingredient is contemplate God. In today's passage, we see God makes the seventh day holy. Holy means it's set apart from the other days of the week. It's set apart for God. And so if we're following the pattern that he set for us, we're gonna find ways to take this day of rest and make it about God. So that could involve things like reading your Bible or praying. Historically, the church has gathered on their day of rest together in person to worship God. That's why I said, if possible, Sunday is a great day to do your Sabbath because then gathering as a church is already built into that rhythm and routine. 
But if you work on Sunday and Tuesday's your day off, like that's not wrong of you. It's okay to Sabbath on Tuesday instead. So that's what Sabbath is. And I'm sure after hearing me explain this, you probably still have lots of questions about what this looks like practically. I'm gonna try to answer some of them, but remember as I do this, this sermon is not the last word on Sabbath. It's hopefully the start of a conversation or a continuation of a conversation. If you have more questions about the things I say, feel free to get in touch with me or even better, talk to other people from the church about it. Brainstorm together, right? Like the reality is God gave us a church community for this very reason. So we can encourage one another, support one another, help one another figure out what it actually looks like to follow him. If, if two pilots are trying to figure out what does Sabbath look like for a pilot, they might come up with some better solutions talking to one another than either of them would talking to me because they understand what the pilot life is better, what the pilot life is like better than I do. And if you chat with one another and come up with better ideas about these things than what I'm sharing here, come tell me about it so I can learn too. So that being said, just some of the practicalities of what this looks like. First, one big question I'm sure lots of us have, what does this look like if you're a parent? You know, we have some laughter going on right now because every parent here knows this is, sounds great in theory, but like children, my children still need to eat on the Sabbath. My children still poop on the Sabbath and need diaper changes. They need constant supervision to make sure that they stay safe and don't harm themselves or other people or break everything in the apartment. Like all of that is work. So how do we do that? And I don't have all the answers. I don't think Pete Scazzaro has all the answers, but he has a good one for this. He says, you cannot stop changing diapers, of course. But you can cease from tidying up, cooking, laundry, and running errands. You can do some things together as a family. You can hire a babysitter so you and with your spouse can get time alone. You can take time alone for yourself, leaving parenting to your spouse. Then you take the children and give equal time to him or her. Some of my big takeaways from this as a parent, there's still work to do as parents, but some of it like cooking food can be done in advance. Some of it like laundry can wait and be done afterwards. So that you can actually rest from those things during the Sabbath. Second, you and your spouse, our teammates, work together to figure out how each of you can get time to rest during the day. And third, it's probably gonna take some trial and error to figure out what this looks like as a parent. Um, and that's okay. Next question, what if you don't always get a consistent day off? You know, we have some pilots and flight attendants in our church. We have some people who work for Disney who get different days off each week. I think for you, it's probably wise to pick one day per week as your target Sabbath that on a normal week, if you're able to, that's the day you take off. And if it turns out you have to work that week on that day, do a different day for that week. And then as soon as you can switch back to your normal day off. Now, if I'm talking about rest and taking a break from work on the seventh day, does that mean we should all stop serving in church if Sunday is our Sabbath? I don't think so. For most of us, the things we do in church aren't actually our jobs that we get paid for during the week. And hopefully, hopefully serving is a delight for you. <laughs> Jesus also said that one of the great things to do on Sabbath is show mercy and compassion to others. So using your Sabbath to do things like greet people and welcome them to church or teach kids about Jesus is actually a wonderful way to use your Sabbath. One question that some people have, some people say, saying you need to take a full day off every week, that's kind of legalistic. That's kind of adding to, to what Jesus commands. Is it okay if we just have a spirit of Sabbath 
in our hearts throughout the week, every day. And don't really worry too much about taking a full 24 hours off every single week. Is that okay? What do you guys think? I think on one level, this is right. Like God does want us to live with the spirit of Sabbath rest every single day. However, one of the greatest ways that we can demonstrate that spirit of Sabbath rest is by actually taking 24 hours every single week to rest. I mean, think of it this way. If someone was like, I, I have a spirit inside me of not murdering someone. And that spirit is strong and, and doing well, even as I murder people. Would you look at them and be like, wow, that's really impressive of you. No, you'd be like, you have a spirit of murder inside you. You're crazy. <laughs> right? If we're saying we have the spirit of rest inside us, the, the greatest way to demonstrate that that's true is by actually resting. And it's, it's really difficult, if not impossible, to live with a spirit of Sabbath rest if we're never actually stopping and taking a break from our work. What we do on the outside reflects what we actually believe and value on the inside. Maybe one or two people are like, Eric, I've tried Sabbath before. It didn't work. I found it really stressful. I couldn't really rest. Is it okay to stop? I think like anything in life, it takes time to learn how to Sabbath properly. I know that sounds weird. Like, shouldn't we be able to just stop and enjoy life automatically? But actually, when we've been living by a different rhythm and a different routine, it's, it feels weird to stop, right? Like, um, I, was, I was playing songs in church one time and we were switching from a song that was like a 4-4 four, four beat to a 3-4 beat. And the singer just kept coming into the second song at the wrong tempo. Because when you switch rhythms like that really fast, your mind is still stuck on the old rhythm and you can't get into the new rhythm. We had to like actually stop and take a break in between songs. So his mind had time to reset and adjust before he could start singing the next song and, and have it all sorted out and straight. And so, I mean, it's probably a similar type of thing with Sabbath. It's gonna take a bit of a reset and adjustment for our minds to get into that and, and get ready for it. And I think one of the things we can do is one, just give ourselves permission to try and fail and try again and not give up. But two, it may be wise, and again, this seems counterintuitive, but it may be wise to make a plan for our Sabbath. I know it feels weird to, to plan for how we're gonna rest. That seems like doing extra work for the sake of not doing work. But think of it this way. You don't wake up on Christmas morning and be like, oh yes, it's Christmas. What should we do today to make today special? No, you look ahead to Christmas in advance and you make plans and prepare in advance so that that day itself can be as special and awesome as possible. You might do some extra work in advance. You might cook extra meals in advance. You might send out invitations for people to come over in advance. You probably buy gifts and wrap them for your children in advance. You do all this stuff so that when Christmas arrives, it's awesome. What if we saw Sabbath as something like Christmas that just comes 52 times a year, where we take six days a week to prepare so that the seventh day can be as awesome as possible. And again, even if you're making a plan, that doesn't mean it's gonna be perfect. It's probably wise to make a plan, try it for a few weeks, reevaluate, figure out what's working, what's not working. What in my plan actually helps me experience joy and rest? What about the current setup is keeping me from resting during this day? 
Are there things that I'd like to incorporate into Sabbath that aren't part of it now? Are there things I need to do more to prepare in advance so that the Sabbath day itself can be more enjoyable? And then make your adjustments. Try that for a few more weeks. See, reevaluate and adjust again. It's going to take a while to find a rhythm that works for you. And that's okay, but don't give up. This is a gift from God for our good. Now on the flip side, there might be someone who's like, if this type of rest is so good, why limit it to one day per week? Why can't we just do like every day of rest? But remember the context of Sabbath's origins. We just saw in the passage before this, God rests after doing six full days of work. He's setting a a pattern and a, a rhythm for us. Rest is good. It comes from God, but work is also good. And it also comes from God. When we work, we're living out part of what it means for us to be made in God's image. The key isn't to do all rest or all work. It's actually to find the right rhythm between the two. Practicing Sabbath, it is going to limit the amount that we do on the other days of the week as well, because when we're giving up on that need to just do as much as we possibly can, it's going to cut back on the stuff we do other days too. But that rhythm of work, 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 rest is something God built into the world. And, and again, some of that work will be paid, some will be unpaid, but that's the, the rhythm he built in. And the rhythm he built also sometimes includes extra rest. So did you know that in ancient Israel, they had three separate holidays. They were one week long each. And during each of those holidays, people were basically told, go on vacation to Jerusalem and don't work for the week. So on top of Sabbath, God built in three weeks per year of extra holiday for the people. And then on top of that, he said one year out of every seven, don't do your normal jobs. So there was lots of rest built into their schedule in addition to this. If you enjoy going on holiday, you're not doing anything wrong because you're resting more than one day per week. But as a general normal pattern, the normal pattern is to work six days a week, paid and unpaid work, and rest one day per week. One more big question some people might have is, Eric, I'd love to do this, but it's too much of a change to the way I do things right now. How do I even get started? And I think the advice here is just start where you are. Maybe all you can do right now is a few hours of rest one day per weekend, right? Maybe you're like, I, if I stop checking work emails and stop checking work messages on my phone from like the time I wake up on Sunday morning till the time church ends, like I'm stressed out of my mind and, and that's a stretch for me. Okay, start there. Try it for a few weeks. And after a few weeks, maybe you can start it like an hour or two before you go to bed on Saturday night and expand and grow up to 24 hours. Also recognize your personality and plan around it. Like if you're a student and you know that you wait till the last second to get everything done, don't have your Sabbath be like 1 a.m. Saturday to 1 a.m. Sunday, because then you're not going to get your homework done on the weekend, right? (laughs) Maybe 2 p.m. Saturday to 2 p.m. Sunday so that you can have time to rest and relax, come to church, eat lunch, and then start your homework would be a wiser setup for you. Just recognize your personality, recognize what works for you in terms of the rhythm that you set for when to Sabbath so that it fits with your actual schedule. Now that's a lot of practical how-to stuff when it comes to Sabbath, but I think there's one more problem many of us in this room may have when it comes to Sabbath. And that's this. Is there anyone here who's like, Eric, this all sounds good, 
You don't have to put your hands up if this is you, but just think to yourself, Eric, this all sounds good, but I'm actually scared of Sabbath. I'm scared that when I actually stop working, when I actually stop producing, and I'm just left with myself and my thoughts, the idea of being alone with myself and my thoughts, it terrifies me and it makes me so uncomfortable. If I start thinking about Sabbath and the thought of being alone with my thoughts, I don't get excited about Sabbath. I get so anxious about it. Well, if that's you, then we need to take a couple minutes to talk about the power for Sabbath. So let's look at the power for Sabbath. As we just said, Sabbath, it's meant to be a great, incredible gift from God, a time of delight and refreshment. But for many people in today's world, the idea of taking 24 hours off from all our work isn't something they think of with delight. It's something they think of with terror. And if we want to be the people that God's calling us to be, people who enjoy and delight in, in taking a rest from our work one day per week, we need to learn a new perspective for how to view and approach Sabbath. And how do we get that perspective? Well, the answer is in today's passage. Why was God able to rest from his work, to stop working? We see the answer twice in this passage, once in verse one, once in verse two. In each place, it says he was able to rest because the work was finished. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. See, there's a really important principle to understand here. Until the work is finished, you can't really truly cease from your work and rest. Even if you physically stop working, your mind's still going to be racing with all the things that need to be done. You're like waiting for it to, to end so you can write down all of the ideas that have come to you during this time. That's, that's what causes our anxiety when we stop working. The fact that we not only feel this urge to work, but we feel an uncontrollable need to keep working because there's always more to do. And when I talk about the work being finished, I'm not talking about a to-do list. If you need the to-do list to be done before you can rest, you're never going to be able to rest because the moment you finally finish cleaning the last piece of laundry, the baby's going to spill spaghetti on her shirt and there's all of a sudden more to wash. The moment you respond to the final email in your inbox, five more arrive and you can never have a cleared out inbox. If you're trying to complete every single item on your to-do list before giving yourself permission to rest, that's a fool's errand. It's never going to work. But when I talk here about needing the work to be finished in order to rest, I'm talking about the work behind the work. See, why aren't we able to rest? It's because the narrative we're told in the world, the narrative that so many of us subconsciously believe is true about ourselves, is that we are only as valuable as what we produce. We're only as valuable as what we produce. And so when we stop working, when we stop being productive, we lose our value. It's like pulling the plug in a drain. It just, all the water goes out. It slowly drip, drip, drips out of there. Taking one day per week to be unproductive, it it feels like one day per week of letting all the value, all the worth that we've built up throughout the week just drain out of us. You know, if we're honest about it, as, as much as we complain about getting emails and messages from work on our days off, part of us actually enjoys that because it reminds us I'm important, I'm valuable, they need me. And as long as we look to our jobs to give us importance and value in life, to prove to us that we're really somebody, we're never going to be able to rest and enjoy it. 
I think Madonna actually summarized this statement better than anyone else I've ever heard. So sorry if you've heard this quote from me before, but it's so good, I have to keep using it. She said, my drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. It's always pushing me. I push past one spell of it. I discover myself as a special human being, but then I feel I'm still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. How many of us struggle with that same feeling? I need to be somebody. I need to be great. I need to be important. I need to be recognized and valuable. And in order to be great, I need to accomplish great things. The things I accomplished yesterday, they may have been great yesterday, but they're not good enough for tomorrow. So I have to keep going. I can never stop. I can never rest. You know, as far as I know, no one in this room, at least on a human earthly basis, has accomplished anywhere near as much as Madonna. Right? If we're trying to reach this level of accomplishment to prove to ourselves and the world that we're somebody, we're never going to make it. Madonna is living proof of that. But when this is the way you see the world, how can you ever Sabbath? How can you ever take a day off? Every day off from work is a day you can't prove you're somebody. It's a day where you're drifting into obscurity and insignificance. I mean, isn't that the real thing that keeps us from rest? Anyone can walk away from a to-do list if you find something more compelling to do with your time. But if you're relying on your ability to complete that to-do list as your means of proving that you're somebody, as your means of proving you're important and worthwhile and have value, you can never stop. You can never rest. That's the work that needs to be finished if you're ever going to be able to rest. And until we believe at the deepest level of our souls that this work the work behind our work, the work of proving our worth and value, proving that we're really somebody, until we believe that that work is truly finished, anytime we try to Sabbath, we're going to be anxious, we're going to be afraid, we're going to be miserable, we're going to hate it. Even if we do try and physically stop from our work, we're just going to count down the hours till Sabbath is over so we can get back to the things that give us life. Throughout the week, we're not going to have a sense of joy as we think about the upcoming Sabbath. We're going to have a sense of dread. We're going to fear its arrival. It's only when we know our identity is already secure apart from what we do that we're actually going to enjoy Sabbath rest. So how can we know that? How can we know that, that this work is finished, that our identity is secure, that we're really somebody apart from what we do? We learn it from Jesus on the cross. You know, as Jesus was hanging on the cross, he said this one, one word in Greek, it's translated into three words in English, but it's an incredibly powerful word. He said, it is finished. The word Jesus spoke on the cross actually comes from the same root as the word in today's passage, when it says God finished his work. When Jesus on the cross, when he spoke that word, when he said, it is finished, this is what he was saying. He was saying, there's nothing more that you need to do to earn your worth or approval, to prove that you're somebody. Because for those who trust in me, you already have worth and approval as a gift from God. You're already somebody. You're God's child. You're loved. You're accepted. You're part of God's family. Your, your identity is secure, not because of what you've done, but because of what I've done for you. It is finished. It's only through the, the cross that the task of proving ourselves can truly be finished. Yeah, there are still things on our to-do list that need to be done, but the great work behind the work, 
the work of proving to God, to ourselves, to everyone around us that we're really somebody, that work through Jesus is finished once and for all. And because that work is finished, we can rest and we can enjoy our rest and delight in our rest, resting in the presence of the one who works so that we can rest. And when we rest in this way, we're doing something the world around us can't understand because it doesn't make sense. How can you find so much joy and delight in doing nothing? And it gives us opportunities to share with them about the God who gives us rest. It allows us to live on mission when we actually enjoy the rest that God created us to have. So church, stopping our work, stopping our productive activity for a full 24 hours every single week is countercultural. It's weird, but God's the one who made the world and he knows what rhythms work best for living in it. And he created us to do that. Sabbath isn't a burden he's placed on us. It's a, a gift he's given to us so we can experience the joy of living properly in his world. And if it's not something you do right now and you want to start, it's going to take time to learn how to do it. That's okay. Give yourself permission to try and fail. Remember that God is patient with you as you learn. But the biggest key to Sabbathing well is to remember that the, the work behind the work, the deep work of proving you're somebody, it's finished. It's done. You don't have to do it anymore. You can stop Know that your identity is still secure because while you rest, God keeps working. And he's a God who has given you a rock solid identity that cannot be taken away, cannot be shaken. And so we can rest joyful and secure in his love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of rest. Thank you that in you, we can have identity. We can have security. We can know that we're somebody without having to, to drive ourselves crazy working and working and working all day, every day. But that, like you did in creation, we can stop and enjoy the fruits of our labor. We can stop and celebrate the goodness of life in your world. We can stop and enjoy and celebrate the fact that we are your people. So I pray that you would be with us right now, that you would make us a church that's able to rest, that you would help us to be diligent about building rhythms and routines for rest into our schedules so that we can live life in the rhythm that you've designed us to live in. In Jesus' name, amen.